I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we are talking about the New Zealand Property Investors Federation's five-point plan to fix the rental crisis. Because in May 2022, the Federation came out with this plan to fix what they call the rental crisis. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through it. They've got, I think it's 27 ideas to improve the rental market in New Zealand. And we're going to go through the best three and the worst three ideas from here. But Andrew, kick us off. Is there a rental crisis in New Zealand? Everyone seems to throw the C word. Crisis. Crisis. Out whenever we're talking about something because it stirs up a lot of emotion. You know, housing, health, gangs, ram raids. It's kind of like everything being tied to Watergate. Do you remember Ponytailgate? I I mean, who decided Ponytailgate was a thing? Like, it's not even comparable (laughs) to Watergate. Anyway, there actually isn't any evidence to suggest that there's a major shortage of rental properties. Not in this report, not anywhere else. But there is evidence that the number of people per dwelling in New Zealand's actually fallen since 1992. Now, to be fair, the data we've got is only up to 2017. And one of the things to note that's interesting is that Auckland household sizes have actually increased. And part of this is to do with affordability and some part of it is ethnic makeup. So there's high concentration of Pacifica and Asian families in Auckland who tend to live in extended family situations. But certainly for New Zealand in total, we've gone from about 2.8 people living per house to about 2.7. So Where'd the other point one of a person go? It's an average, Andrew. <laughs> I thought you'd know that after over a thousand episodes. I thought episodes. there were just lots of accidents going on. Well, what else is interesting is everywhere else in New Zealand, it's gone from about, say, 2.7 people down to about 2.6 people. So on average, we have seen a reduction in the number of people living per property. If there was a genuine rental shortage and there simply weren't enough houses, we'd expect to see some increase in more people living in each household. But what is true is that rents have certainly increased at a fast rate and the social housing waitlist in New Zealand is certainly long, over 25,000 people on there. But if we were to put that in context, yes, we do see rents increasing very quickly right now, but that's in the context of high inflation, tax disincentives for providing rental accommodation rather than a structural shortage of rental properties in the first place. The first thing I want to point out is I do question whether there is genuinely a rental crisis or not, simply because as well, the other thing that was actually in this report was they said that rents and incomes have kept pace since about 2003. So if I think, okay, well, incomes are increasing at the same pace as rents over the long term. We haven't seen many, many more people living per dwelling across the country. Actually, I don't believe there is a shortage of rental properties. I think there are issues in the rental housing market, but I don't think there is a structural shortage of properties. but having said that, I think they've probably reached for that C word, crisis, for emotional and political reasons. And what I mean by that is hoping that this five-point plan will get some traction both in the media and with government. And of course, if we reach for some hyperbolic words, then in that case, maybe people will pay more attention. So let's go through what we think are the best ideas and the worst ideas. Now, again, this is not to be negative. It's just to be very honest with you and constructive in which ones we think are good and which ones we think are bad. Okay, so if there's no crisis, do we still need to go through a five-point plan? Well, although you know we hear 
at the Property Academy podcast might not think there's necessarily a crisis. There is value in trying to create a better functioning rental market. That's a good thing because that will lead to lower rents that would otherwise be the case, better stability for tenants and certainly better stability for neighbourhoods. So let's go through those top three. Kick it off for us, Andrew. Okay, good idea number one, introduce new tenancy options. A big part, I think, of what can be a bit challenging for tenants is actually kind of having this feeling like at any stage you might be uprooted. Your family might be displaced because you're going to have to find another house because the landlord's just going to sell the property. And right now we've got fixed and periodic tenancies. Well, why not introduce a longer term option where a tenancy can last at least three years? And this is based on a German system where the landlord can't sell that property where they can sell it, but with the tenants in there, but they can't sell it vacant over that period of time. And they've also given some good ideas about how this might work in New Zealand. Similar to like a commercial building. So in a commercial building, your tenant pays the lease, but also some of the operating expenses as well. The tenant would cover the insurance, the rates, and the water bills. The landlord's still responsible for the maintenance because that's their asset. The tenant does the operating house and the landlord does the maintenance. Now, one thing that I did think was a little bit odd in here says the landlord doesn't have to supply floor coverings, so your carpets, curtains, appliances, or light fittings, and they can charge a bond up to 12 weeks. What do you think about this overall system, though? Do you think it'd be good to introduce a, a longer-term tenancy option? Absolutely. I think tenants would really, really like that, and I think that landlords, the majority of them, are looking for long-term stability themselves. So everyone wins with that. I do think there's a little, a few odd things. I mean, not having to supply the floor coverings and curtains is just peculiar. And I suppose that's because over in the, the German system, from what we understand, is you basically get presented with completely blank canvas. You can paint the walls if you want to. You can make it your own home, but you just need to return it to exactly the same condition when you leave. So yeah, if you want to... Three years wouldn't be long enough for me to want to supply carpet to move into a house. Well, I, I think it, it's probably more optional, for right. instance, but this is what they've, okay. they've written down. So that's I, what, we, I that's think, that what we think of it. That part's odd. I don't know how tenants would respond to paying for the insurance rates and water bills but I guess in essence they're paying that within their rent anyway so maybe it's just a matter they get a cheaper rent but they pay those costs. The second good idea is they would like to see a rent arrears division introduced within the tenancy tribunal. Now at the moment about 60% of tenancy applications are for rent arrears. Tenants haven't paid their rent so the landlords are trying to go get this sorted out. Now the big issue is you've got to go to court for this and you've actually got to follow the process. Now because there are such a volume of it, over half or exactly three in five applications are for rent arrears, well the system can quickly get bogged up with a whole heap of these cases. And so they're saying, well, actually, most of the time, rent arrears are factual. There's no emotional part to this. It's just, have they paid the money? Have they not? We've got records to be able to figure this out. And so why not have an administrative division that just sorts these claims and can sort them out pretty quickly, i.e. within five days or so? Because if you don't have money coming in as a landlord, well, it's quite pressing to sort out because you've still got a mortgage to pay. Now, you might say, well, Ed, there's already what we call the fast track resolution within the tenancy tribunal. And that's a, a very good system where if you've come to an arrangement already with your tenant, then you don't need to go to court. You just plug in all the details online. You get a call. The tenant gets a call. Sweet. All done. But the difference with what they're suggesting here is that you wouldn't actually have to come to an arrangement. If your tenant's dodging your calls, if they're not saying that they can actually fix those rental rears in a timeline that is acceptable to you, well, then you could go through the tenancy tribunal very, very quickly, get it sorted. I actually think that's a really good idea. 
Good idea number three, reverse some of the tax changes. So bright line back to two years, no interest deductibility rules again, and abolish the ring fencing rules. Oh God, that would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? And of course, the interesting thing about all of these rules that have come in, they affect the private sector. So you, me, all the listeners of the show that are private landlords. But that's 85% of the rental market. That's affecting the part of the market that's actually working or has worked. The actual shortage is not in the private sector, it's in the government's emergency housing. That's what's failing. That's what they should be focusing on. So they should be helping us landlords, not hindering them. And of course, if the government claims but more tax from a landlord, some of that cost is passed on to a tenant. It doesn't actually have a material help to those people who are renting. I do think they make a very valid point as well that says, look, none of these taxes actually benefit the tenant. You know, taxing property sales under the bright line does not actually help the tenant have a cheaper rent. Removing the chance to deduct interest, mortgage interest costs from your tax bill, that means that landlords get taxed more. And if your landlord gets taxed more, that doesn't help the tenant pay a lower rent. Similar with ring fencing. In fact, did you know, I saw that 2019 New Zealand Property Investors Federation study shows that when you purchase a rental property, the average New Zealand property as a rental in New Zealand, it's on average negatively geared 10 grand in the first year. Is that right? The av- if you were to buy the average property in New Zealand, this was in 2019, turn it into a rental, it'd make a loss of about 10 grand in the first year. That makes sense. Whereas if you abolished ring fencing and you got a tax rebate, well, then you'd get, you know... A third of that back. A so. third of that back. So now you're only paying six grand, for instance, but still, uh, to hold that property. you're still topping up as a landlord. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what we've talked about on the show for the last two yeah. and a half years, Andrew. Yeah. So certainly I do think reversing some of those are really important. Now, I don't want to come across as too negative to the Federation, but I do want to be constructive. So there are three ideas that I think are particularly bad. The first one was they suggested taxing rental properties at 10.5% income tax rate. So effectively, they're looking for a massive decrease in the amount of tax or income tax that would be levied on rental properties. And it's a pipe dream because it's landlord welfare, not only because it's impractical politically to implement, because who would ever vote for a government that is going to give massive tax breaks to landlords? But similarly, (laughs) I think because the argument is not congruent with some of the other arguments that the Federation made. So for instance, you can't go around saying that investing in property is just a business and like every other business, they need to then be taxed like every other single business. You can't make that argument and then turn around and say, well, no, no, us us landlords deserve tax breaks because we provide rental accommodation. No, those two positions cannot stand next to each other because they are opposite. On one hand, you're saying we should be taxed like everybody else. And then you're saying, well, actually, no, we shouldn't be taxed like everybody else. We deserve special treatment. Those two arguments cannot stand in the same document and so that's why I think this is a particularly bad thinking. Maybe it was just wishful thinking, maybe it wasn't a serious suggestion, but it's in the document and so I think that's a particularly bad idea. This is kind of like when you're trying to sell something, well when you're trying to sell me on an idea and you throw a little curveball in there that you know I'm going to say no to so you can get your new mics for the studio or something. Oh you think that's what they might have been doing. What's bad idea number two? For the government to provide low interest mortgages to landlords and look. Rather than the banks, right? Rather than banks. But, and I admire their out-the-box thinking here, but it's not a good idea. Governments should not be involved in what is essentially a business. They shouldn't be running a business in our mind. And look, with the government having incentives for 
an industry like this is going to sway people to invest in different areas and create distortions. So the three things that you get out of this, you distort the incentives of where investors' money goes, you push house prices up past their fundamental level, and you create a mammoth government program. Imagine it, it'd be huge. It's just not a good idea, no. really, is it? I mean, Leave it, it to the banks. And I don't think that this would actually solve anything. Yeah, you'd get more investors trying to purchase properties, yeah. but you know, I don't think it really solves anything. It's very wishful. And look, bad idea number three is that landlords can charge interest or a fee for outstanding rental payments. So the idea here is, look, sometimes tenants don't pay their rent on time. Let's charge them a fee or allow landlords to charge them a fee. And they've suggested charging the floating mortgage interest rate to incentivize them to actually pay on time. And I just think the practical implementation of using the floating interest rate would be totally abysmal because, of course, interest is calculated daily and charged monthly. And you could just imagine these poor landlords who self-manage properties with their calculator at home trying to calculate exactly what the interest payment is. There'd be so many errors. Then you've got to communicate that to tenants I think charging some sort of standard fee, you know, $10 a week or $20 a know. week, it's got some more merit. But look, I, I just don't think that it's probably the best idea. I'll, I'll tell you why. I remember having having a great old chin wag with a friend a while ago, and she said, oh, the most wonderful thing has happened. Oh, what's that, Tiana? She said, well, about a couple of weeks ago, my daycare started charging us if we were late to pick up our kids. So we've got to pick up our kids by 5.30, and if we're after that and we come at 6 p.m., for instance, then they charge us a fee. I said, oh, well, oh, that's very sad. Pay the fee. That's the thing. All of the, oh, right. It's just I'm just paying an extra Absolutely. fee. Absolutely. To have a bit of extra care. But to have the extra care. Because now you don't feel guilty about it because you're paying for it. And so I think, you know, I'm not saying that would necessarily happen, but that's just an example of what can happen when you change the incentives and distort things. I do think that the biggest incentive tenants have to pay their rent is the threat that they're going to be forced to vacate. And so strengthening landlords' ability to move people on if they are severely late, I think is probably a better idea. But again, I want to be really clear because there will be so many of you listening to the show will either be members of the Federation through your local association and... We get along with a lot of the people. I mean, we're sponsoring their main conference this year down in Palmerston North, which we're really looking forward to, by the way. You should all come. It's going to be a fantastic time. Big fans. We want to applaud them for the good stuff they've done and kind of provide a a realistic view of some of the ideas which probably have less merit. And look, this isn't to berate them at all because, like it says, we, we get on with them like a house on fire. Not very good for insurance. And the Federation, you know, it's, it's a relatively small organisation, I guess. And, oh, very and, small. And made up with a lot of volunteers. So they've done a great job putting together something and, and representing landlords who often don't feel like they have a voice. Yeah, but also, if, I mean, if they didn't do it, who would? Exactly. You know, and I think that, that's... It would be I mean, us. We'd have to do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the key thing. Like, at least there's somebody out there trying to put out some good ideas. And there are definitely good ideas in here. I would encourage you to go and read the document. We'll link it down in the show notes. But it's just to say, some of the ideas are really good. Some of the ideas probably need to be worked on. And if you want to support the Federation, we think it's an absolutely great thing to do. It, probably one of the best ways is to come along to the conference, which is happening in October down in Palmerston North, where the headline sponsors, and we're going to be speaking there, Andrew. We're I going to do a double act. There's still tickets available if we're speaking. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about it much on the podcast. Mm. So I'll link down in the show notes as well where you can sign up for that. I think it's uh, maybe, oh, I don't want to say what the price is. It's less than a grand from memory, but it's going to be a great time. We're going to be down in Palmerston North. We're going to be there. So if you want to come hang out with us for the weekend, tap or swipe over the cover art. Links down in the show notes. I really look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of these in the property market. Until next time.